0: The following podcast is a live recording of a radio show first broadcast by Fresh FM with assistance from New Zealand On Air. Many thanks for joining me for this episode of Climate Matters. I'm Lindsay Wood, I'm the Director of Climate Strategy Company Resilience Limited and Climate Matters is brought to you by Fresh FM, the top of the South's community access radio station. Fresh FM broadcasts in Blenheim on 88.9, to Eastern Golden Bay on 95.0, to the Nelson CBD on 107.2, and across the Tasman-Nelson region on 104.8. And it's streamed to the planet on freshfm.net, and podcasts of climate matters and of other locally produced shows are available through freshfm.net and through the accessmedia.nz app. Well, today we're diving back into the archives and quite a seminal time in May 2020 when we were in and just coming out of the first COVID lockdown. So this one rather focuses on things like shovel-ready projects. You'll remember that. Getting a climate bang from shovel-ready projects. Making sure we're doing the right thing. Using COVID as a catalyst for educating for change. And then COVID cleared skies, saved lives, and set records. A little bit of a recap there. And the commentary on budget 2020, which I headed, the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll also, of course, have a hot tip for you. I think this was also in the times before we actually tended to have a quiz question, so I won't trouble you with that. Um, it's also coming at a time when I'm brewing on the idea of doing a special on transport, and there's a, a little transport bit in here as well. So the theme is that we must use this gifted chance and not shovel over our best options. Classic value engineering theory is, for best value on any project, take t- take time at the start to get it right. The payback is huge. And we've got a diagram in there which shows the contrast between the way as time goes on, you have fewer chances to decide how to get best value, and it becomes more expensive to actually achieve that until, of course, the, the things you need to do to optimize performance turn out to be too expensive. Um, so in post-COVID 2020, this means that the workforce must be humming and maximizing climate benefits, as well as getting people back to work. Um, basically, the pitch of Climate Matters 43 was if we don't do both, we are selling ourselves short and we'll pay a very high price for a very long time, doubly so, if projects push climate the wrong way. And we, we could, do, among other things, check out uh, Climate Commissioner Rod Carr talking on this on Radio New Zealand. We'll give a link to that if it's still available. Um so here's what we said anyway uh, the theory the, the the banner heading was two for one getting the best bang for our covid buck and so we'll start with the first item which was measure twice cut once this well proven builders adage which we all have probably heard of applies as equally to covid recovery as to sawing timber double check you're doing the right thing before doing it And that matches value engineering theory that I've just talked about, and it applies well to shovel-ready projects. Take time at the beginning to do the right thing. We must ensure the right thing they were meant for is still the right thing when measured against today's critical labor-positive and climate-positive criteria. Climate Commissioner Rod Carr's wise guidelines for government are on that link I just mentioned. Or we can find insights and surprises on the Transport 2030 interactive dashboard for Auckland. And I gave a link to that and invited people to have a play and also a great newsroom article. So they were all pointing to the chance to actually build on. Or well, not build on, but to take advantage of our understanding of quiet streets and so on to see what we might do differently for the future. I think with hindsight, we can say we didn't take much of that opportunity. We really did much as Christchurch did in the, in the post earthquake recovery and carried on this, making the same old mistakes as we've always made when we had such a golden chance to make it better. Going on to the next item is COVID educating educators to at last educate for climate. And the theme of that was that with spiraling unemployment, which was the prospect of the post-COVID effect, the education sector and government and its advisors were talking and may finally be grasping the need to educate for change. We had to do things differently as a result of covid It had missed their climate radar that every sector must do things differently anyway. And so with new skills across the board, in quotes, investing, education and training, close quotes, was what some leading Oxford research advocated. We'll give you a link to that. The Climate Change Commission's Rod Carr signaled an empowered workforce. I've also referenced that. If we don't get education right, the rest won't work, was what economists Susie Kerr told the primary sector, and there's a link under the Ag and Climate Conference there, but the Productivity Commission largely missed it in its 2018 Low Emissions Economy Report, as have most educational conferences. It's a no-brainer. We must get this right. That's worth recapping a little bit. We have to get the education right, and part of that is educating for change, and we are not doing that. We're educating for business as usual and only sort of um, paying lip service to the need for change, and yet the people who are really central to these issues are all saying we must get the education for change right. We're coming to a quote now from Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern, or then Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern, and um, the point there was, and I'll read from what I've said the PM could have been speaking on failed climate responses, not on COVID overseas. And now she must make that crucial mental leap and apply the same to climate. And here's what Jacinda Ardern had said. Remember, she was talking about the climate, the, the COVID situation. I'm saying you could equally translate that in a much more important way. To climate. Here's what she said By the time they were making decisions, those small windows were closing on them and things were getting away. By the time they were making decisions, those small windows were closing on them and things were getting away. That's exactly a microcosm of the climate situation where the windows have been closing for decades and we still haven't learned our lessons. Okay, covid cleared skies, saved lives and lives and set solar records. If you remember during covid when all the transport stopped and most of the industry shut down and so on, construction shut down, suddenly the the skies became much clearer, the birds returned to urban centers and all sorts of other benefits happened. So the Lancet, which you will know is a well-known health journal, Lancet's Planetary Health Journal reported, quotes, specific, close quotes, effects of the COVID lockdown. That means identifiably caused by COVID or by the response to COVID. (laughs) Um, Effects of COVID lockdown saved almost 12,000 lives in China via lower air pollution, Yale Environment 360, um, a publication I've reported on from time to time, and many EU countries with record photovoltaic generation had thanks to the clearer skies, and at 32.2 gigawatts, Germany's record photovoltaic output met 40% of the country's needs. New Zealand's peak total generation is around 6 gigawatts, so give you an idea that Germany's solar photovoltaic is over five times the whole of New Zealand's uh, electricity generation. We'll give you some links there. Um, now the budget: the good, the bad, and the ugly. And then just to make it mystical, two for one, one for one, zero for one, and minus one for one. We must think long term. Critical labour positive slash climate positive criteria indicate. And here are some comments on different. Um, budget announcements that had been made. A home insulation scheme is great. Lots of labor, saves energy and dollars in the long term. It's quick to start, real health and co-benefits, but it has to be done well for optimum effect. So a thumbs up for home a home insulation scheme. 8,000 state houses is a real chance to shift our stubborn building sector towards climate-friendly and circular economy methods. But strong front-end thinking is crucial. Measure twice, cut once. It's a chance we mustn't waste, but risk doing just that. Perpetuating off-the-shelf group builders' plans won't cut it. And we're perpetuating that again with all the talk about we need more houses, and what's even worse, we're trying to use that as a justification for more rubbish greenfield development, we have to get our planners and our politicians under control and tell them to boot greenfield developments for touch. They are so damaging in so many ways. That's a, f- a f- fodder for another another episode, I think. Okay, new fossil-fueled ferries make no sense now. Likely built offshore, locking in climate-damaging technology into key infrastructure for decades shelve them until hydrogen, biomethane, or battery ferries are options. So that was an announcement. They were they were going to order some new fossil fuel ferries. I have to say, though, that the, the awful performance of the, the old ferries over the last year, bear in mind this was written in 2020 that I'm reading from, the, since then the ferries have had such an appalling run of mechanical failures and near disasters that uh, maybe i wasn't judging that too well also i'd have to say that neither hydrogen nor biomethane make an awful lot of sense for transport except in very exceptional situations so finally in the in the budget review what we mustn't do is squander funds on highways to pander to commuters in low occupancy cars if we still won't share a ride we deserve to stew in congestion Gosh, I'm getting tired of saying this, not to you guys, but to politicians and so on. Okay, we better keep moving. Um what have we got else? We've got a hotter tip for a cool planet. Bear in mind it was just towards the end of the COVID lockdown, the first COVID lockdown. Keep using this unique moment to think how you and your family might truly support a climate-friendly future in your work in your lifestyle, at home, drops 7% every year. Now, that was about the figure of decarbonization that was meant to be associated with the COVID lockdown around the globally, around about a 7% drop in emissions. Seriously, this chance is a gift. And um, maybe it is a gift that we, again, we look the gift horse in the mouth a bit. Just to give you an idea of the 7%, um, I've done work with the Nelson-Tasman Climate Forum working out our regional decarbonization rates, and we now need to be looking at about 8% plus an allowance for population growth every year. That's how much we have to drop each year, year on year, to be in line with the Paris targets. Um, so the, the numbers are getting up, um, but we're still not getting on track with them. So anyway, we're reaching the end now. Thanks very much for your company. I hope you've enjoyed that little (laughs) excursion back into the COVID lockdown times. Uh, Maybe one of the things that comes to mind is uh, one of the things we learn from history is that we learn nothing from history. But anyway, that's another story. Thank you very much for your company. I hope I enjoy it again next week. And in the meantime, of course, as always, kia kaha for the climate.